All right, good morning, everybody. Nice to see you today. Thank you, Drew. Always love our worship. So grateful to be able to sing and just uh, experience God in our hearts and lives. We're all feeling awesome because we had an extra hour sleep, right? I don't know, man. I woke up and I was like, really? That's it? Feels the same. <laughs> why, why am I tired? I don't understand. Uh, well, we all know that feeling of not having enough in our lives. Sometimes it feels like there's not enough time. Uh, how many of you have a friend who's always late? <laughs> how many of you are that friend, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, when you have a late friend, they text you in code. I mean, what they text you has a little bit different meaning than what they actually say. Just to walk through some scenarios, I've got a little translation guide for text messages from late friends. Here we go, we'll bring the first one up. If they text you leaving soon, that means they just woke up. Come on, you know, you know if I'm talking about you, right? All right, here's the next one. If they say leaving now, that means they made it to the shower, right? They're almost there, they're on the way. All right, then if they say almost there, well, they made it to the car. And then here's the last one, here, which means I can see the parking lot. I might be three lights and a freeway away from the, from the uh, thing, but I can see it, I'm here, I'm good to go. Well, we all know what it's like to feel like there's not enough, whether it's not enough time or sometimes we feel like there's not enough money. I mean, first of the month comes, if you're on an auto pay system at work, you get your sort of auto. Somebody is pumped about that. You get that auto. All of a sudden, if you look at your account, as soon as your check hits, you'd be like, man, I'm rich. It's awesome. And then 24 hours later, all the automatic payments start firing up. The rent goes out and the mortgage goes out. The car goes out. This goes out. That, and then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm poor again. That only took 24 hours, right? There's, sometimes it feels like there's not enough money. Sometimes it feels like there's just, there's not enough patience. Sometimes there's not enough, um, you name it, gifts, talents, resources. I had a friend who, uh, who, who who retired early, did really well in his life and retired for a couple years. And, you know, he got to a place where he realized, you know, there's not even enough entertainment. He said, it is possible to get to the bottom of Netflix. He said, I've done it. And even though he retired early, which a lot of people think would be their dream, he went back to work because he's like, I can't watch any more entertainment. I've got to the bottom of entertainment. There's nothing left to see. I got to go do something with my life and my time, so there you go. Some of us would love to find out what it would be like to get to the bottom of Netflix, but anyway, he actually did. We all know what it's like to feel like there's not enough, and today I wanna talk to you about the miracle that God is always enough even when we're facing a situation where we are not enough. Now, we've been in this teaching series called I Need a Miracle, and we kicked it off a few weeks ago. We're going through the seven core miracles in the Gospel of John that um, Jesus performs. John is very specific. Each one of these miracles is a sign that points beyond the miracle to God and his power and to Jesus. And so week one, we looked at the first miracle of Jesus, the, uh, turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And we said, look, God is still in the business of conversion, of turning water to wine, of turning sinners to saints, of turning um, hopeless to those who have hope. He's still working in and through our lives. He still does miracles today. Week two, we 
talked about um, the miracle of Jesus healing the lame man, and we said, "Look, God is over what uh, God is over whatever you're under, and God can help you stand up no matter how difficult the situation or the challenge is in your life." This week, we're going to talk about the miracle of multiplication, of how God is enough even when sometimes we're not enough. And to do that, we're going to look at what would be chronologically the fourth miracle, if you're going through the Gospel of John, the fourth sign that Jesus performed. And it's the miracle of turning loaves and fishes into more loaves and fishes to feed thousands of people who had need in their lives. So here it is, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Let's just kind of read this. The way we do this is central is I'll read the scripture off the screen when we get to the highlighted red word. Read that out loud here with me, but check it out. John chapter six, verse five says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Now, right before this, we read that Jesus is tired. He needs rest. He's worn out. He's trying to get away from the people and the people are following him. It's like, it's like a mob. And you know, so he doesn't get any rest. And so turning to Philip, he asked where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now look at this. He was what? Testing Philip. So the feeding of the 5,000 is what this miracle is called. You can read about it in all four of the biographies of Jesus in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But check it out. It's the only miracle that Jesus performed that's in all four Gospels. But each one brings out some different things. And John brings out something very unique here. John is the only account that says when Jesus asked Philip this question, he was testing him. He's setting him, he's setting him up. He's helping Philip realize he's in over his head. Okay, so he says, says he's, he's testing Philip. Look at this. For he already knew what he was gonna do. Jesus is like, I already got this covered. But hey, Philip, how are we gonna feed all these people? Right? He's testing him. And Philip replied, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip starts panicking, right? And as you read the, the miracle account in other gospels, Jesus basically tells his disciples, hey, here's all these people, by conservative estimates, somewhere between 10 to 15,000 people. They call it the feeding of the 5,000, but there were also like women and children and other, so it's 10 to 15,000 people. And there's no Sam's Club close by. There's no Costco. You can't just run over and get stuff, right? These people are all gathered out on the hillside. They're hungry. They're they have need, there's not enough, they're hangry, right? You know, so they, you know, they, they got issues going on here and Jesus is basically saying to his disciples, well, you feed them. You guys take care of them. His disciples are like, what? But he was testing Philip. Listen, listen. Sometimes God puts you in a situation where you are not enough so that you can learn he is more than enough. He's, sometimes he tests you to grow you, right? And sometimes he'll put you in a situation where you are not enough so that you're forced to learn he is more than enough. He says to Philip, hey, how are we gonna feed all these people? He's setting Philip up to teach him something. Philip's looking out going, I don't know, I don't know how we're gonna have. What do you do when you're facing a situation where you're not enough? Here's a couple thoughts for you. One is just admit your need. Admit your need. Are there any um, people who are competitive in the room today? How many competitive people do we have? Competitive people have no problem raising their hand. Yep, that's me. In fact, you probably raised your hand before the guy down the row from you because that's what competitive people do, right? You know, like, and competitive people, I mean, it's um, like playing games with competitive people can be a real challenge, you know, because uh, like the biggest trigger you can ever give to a competitive person is to say, well, it's just a game. 
doesn't really matter, right? Competitive people are like, what are you talking about? There's winning and there's everything else. Right? You gotta win. I saw this little meme. I thought it was funny. Uh, this guy says, me, I'm not competitive. <laughs> also me. And there's like table flipped over, Monopoly board on the ground. Total meltdown, right? Isn't this where Monopoly always ends up by the end, right? Somebody, that's how it was in my family growing up. But if you're a competitive person, that, there's a lot of strengths that come with that. There's a lot of like unique abilities that can come out of that competitive drive and that willing to push forward. It is a huge gift from God. But for us competitive people, it can also be a challenge because we don't always admit when we have need. We just wanna push on. We just wanna keep going. We just wanna press on. And God will eventually allow all of us to go for a ride on what we might call the struggle bus. I got this bus right up here, the struggle bus. Now, I grew up riding the bus. I rode one hour each way every single day, junior high and high school, to get to school and to get back home. And the bus, man, this was not a happy place for me, right? The bus was where I got beat up on the bus. I got picked on on the bus. I can remember um, the bus was where I, uh, one time I got the bright idea in junior high that my parents wouldn't let me pierce my ear. I wanted to, you know, look cool. And so I decided I was gonna pierce my own ear on the bus because that's smart. And so I smuggled onto the bus some little pieces of ice and a, and a pin, you know, and I was all, Bobby Pin, I was all ready, and I got my buddies, we all got around me, and I never sort of factored in how bumpy a bus can actually be, right? And we, they numb my ear all up, and I mean, they're jabbing it down in there, we're trying to pierce the thing. All I know is by the end, we could never get an earring in because we didn't have a straight enough hole going through my ear. And when I got to school, I had to go see the principal. We were on a first name basis. I knew him well. <laughs> also remember one time on the bus, I'm riding on the back of the bus and, and we kind of went over a pothole and there was snow on the ground. It was freezing, unusually cold. And I bumped into the win window of the bus and literally the entire window and the casing and everything fell out into the snow. And once again, no, I didn't even do it. Look, I usually did a lot of things that got me into a lot of trouble. But this time, I was innocent. At least until that happened. I, I won't tell you the rest of that story, but I wound up in the principal's office once again. So when I got on the bus every morning, it was a struggle, right? I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what was gonna happen, but it was not good vibes. And some of us go through seasons in our life, some of you are there right now, where it's a struggle, man. Maybe you're just, I talked to a friend of mine this last week, just in a spiritual funk, doesn't even know why, doesn't know how to explain it, just feels distant from God, just feels like they're not really connected, isn't sure what God's doing in their life, is lonely, doesn't feel connected to other people, they're just, they're on the struggle bus. You know, we all go through seasons on the struggle bus. Some of you are in the struggle bus when it comes to work right now. Like you just, it takes everything you have to get there and put a smile on your face and fake it for another day and do your job. Some of you are on the struggle bus with school. Uh, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a student. Some of us are on the struggle bus just emotionally right now in our lives. We all ride the struggle bus. So what do you do when you're on the struggle bus? You gotta admit that you're on the struggle bus. <laughs> You just gotta be willing to say, you know what, it's hard right now. That's why we say around Central, it's okay to not be okay. Look, we all go through seasons, myself included, where we go for a ride on the struggle bus. And I think sometimes God puts us there. He lets us get on the bus, because that bus reminds us that we're not enough in and of ourselves. 
that we need him in our life. We need him to work in our life. I mean, we're always talking about God blessing us in our lives, and the Bible teaches that God loves to bless. God is a God who blesses. I believe God wants to bless you. But I'm going to give you a, a, another thought about blessing today. Because usually when we think of blessing, we think God is going to bless us with more, right? God's going to bless me with more money, more friends, more happiness. I'm just, I'm not going to know what to do with myself, man. God's going to, he's better than Will Smith and Aladdin. God's just going to start pouring the blessings out in my life. It's going to be epic. And sometimes God will do that in our lives, but don't miss this. Sometimes God will bless you with less so that you will learn to trust him more in your life. Sometimes God's blessing isn't the blessing we think we're gonna get, right? I hope he blesses you with more. I hope he brings more into your life, but we're all gonna go through seasons, count on it, where you get on the struggle bus and you're like, God, I thought you were gonna give me more. More money, more happiness, more friends, more joy, more peace, more of all the good things. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing less and less and less. And if that's where you're at, it doesn't mean God's abandoned you. It doesn't mean he's turned his back on you. It just means he's testing you right now. He's blessing you, but he's blessing you with less so that you can realize he is more. And as he grows in your heart and life, those other blessings, when they eventually flow back into your life, will be great, but they won't be God's in your life because God's taught you on the struggle bus who he is, his love, his meaning, his goodness for you in your life. If you're there right now, just admit your need and hang on to God. I went through the Bible just to pull out some different scenarios because as I read through this miracle story, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which I guess should be the miracle of the feeding of the 10 to 15,000. One interesting thing is, you know, they're all saying to Jesus, where do we go to find bread? Where can we go to get what we need? Here's some different questions with some great answers from the Bible. Hey, where do we go when life feels dark and scary and you're afraid of the future? Well, the Bible says the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Hey, where do you go when you're knocked down by illness and injury or a broken heart? The Bible says I am the Lord, the God who heals you. Where do you go when it feels like you're lost and you have no guidance and no help? The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Where do you go when it feels like no one has your back, no one is trustworthy and you're all alone? The Bible says, oh God, you're my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Where do you go when it feels like everything is changing so fast, your world's unstable, you can't stand up for falling down? The Bible says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety in my life. Where do you go when you feel like you can never change, you can't get better, you can't advance spiritually? The Bible says that the Lord is the one who makes you holy. Where do you go when someone's harmed you or hurt you, but no one believes in you, when you can't get any justice? The Bible says he's the God who pays back those who harm me. Listen, where do you go when you feel invisible and unimportant and neglected? The Bible says the God, you're the God who sees me. Where do you go when you feel all alone in your struggle, when you don't know how you can go one more day? The Bible says God's my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. Where do you go when the struggle strangled the happiness from your life and the weight is crushing you? The Bible says I will go to God, the source of all my joy. Where do you go when you have nowhere else to go? Oh, my people, the Bible says, trust in him at all times. 
Pour out your heart to him. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. So when you come to less than enough, when you find yourself on the struggle bus, just admit it and go to the God who can move and work in your life, the God who is more than enough. Another thought when, we're, when, we're, when we come to the end of ourselves is simply this, to open your hand. Have you ever thought about this? When you get to the end of yourself, you're at the beginning of your miracle. When you get to the end of yourself, you're now at the beginning of your miracle because you're at a place where God can use you and work in your life. So here's what happens in John chapter six. They're trying to find food for all these people. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And there's this little boy and he's got five loaves and two fishes. And so the disciples bring this to Jesus. John chapter six, beginning in verse eight. It says, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what, help me, good. You see that, what good? is that with this huge crowd. Now, a couple interesting thoughts here. First of all, there's 10 to 15,000 people there. This little boy wasn't the only person with food. He's just the only person we hear of that was willing to share his food. You ever thought of that? There's probably a whole lot of people that had food and a little stash of bread or whatever, but when it comes time to feeding everybody, you know what people are thinking? No, I don't have enough. I barely got enough for me. Brother gotta eat. I can't be sharing my, my food with all these crazy stranger people, right? But it was a little boy. There may have been other people who'd be willing to be generous, but we just don't hear about them. There was this little boy who says, look, you can take what I have, five loaves and two fish. Jesus, you can take this and try to be, and I love the question that's opposite. What good is that? You ever looked at your gifts, your talent, your money, your stuff, and you thought, man, what good is that? You know, like, I, I, it's just not enough, God. I'm not talented enough. I'm not together enough. I don't have enough. Or, or the, little bit, the little contribution that I make, it won't be enough. But here's a principle for you. God loves to take what you release to him, and he loves to increase it in his power and grace and bring it back around to you. He takes what you release, and then he brings his increase, Right? And he moves and works in it. So this little boy, he's willing to offer up the little that he has and give it to God. And here's what we see. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. It says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. <laughs> so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they what? Everybody ate as much as they wanted. Now, this is a double miracle. I think two things are happening. One, I think Jesus supernaturally took these five loaves and these two fish and multiplied them, right? And multiplied them and multiplied them to feed more. I also think it's likely that another miracle began to happen as the food starts to get distributed among the people. And that is that there was a miracle of generosity that happened as well. Where people that were sitting on their food, like, hey, this is my food, man, realized like, okay, well, People start sharing what they have. The Bible says in the end, when it was all done, everybody ate all they wanted. And that's, you know, come on, that's some food now. All they wanted, not all they needed, all they wanted. And there were 12 basketfuls that were collected of leftovers. 
You ever thought about this? God is a God who can bless you in your life to the point of overflowing. God is a God who doesn't just provide for what you need as a bare necessity, but he can provide above and beyond. God's a God of leftovers, because he's got it all. Money's nothing to him. Power's nothing to him. He's got all the power, he's got all the money. I mean, all of that is his, it's in his hand. And he can bless his people as he sees fit. He's a God who's got it all. And so when you think about this, Jesus didn't need this little boy to do this miracle. He could have just supernaturally provided food for everybody on the hillside that day. Jesus didn't need his disciples to do this miracle. But he wanted his disciples to be brought in on the miracle. Listen, this little boy, he was giving what he had to God, right? He was releasing it to God. Sometimes people think God's trying to get things out of us, our time, our talent, our money. God isn't trying to cut you out of your time, your talent, your money. He's trying to cut you in to his miracle. He's including you. He doesn't need you, but he will include you to help other people, and you and I get to be a part of that, right? We get to play some role. We get the privilege of, of, of serving God and seeing God move and work in our lives. And so I don't know what you need today in your life. Some of you, you're in a place where, you know, you need time. And if that's your need, I want to encourage you. Make a commitment this week. Start each day. Give 15 minutes to God. Just say, I'm going to pray. Martin Luther used to say, I'm too busy to not pray. I got so much going on, I have to start. The in other words, it, my temptation is to start the day because I have so much going on and just do it on my own. But the reality is, I have so much happening, I'll never get it all done. So God, I'm gonna start the day with you, and I'm gonna confess, <laughs> I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. God, I need you to supernaturally fill in some gaps for me today in my heart and in my life. Some of you right now, you feel like you don't have enough financially. And I wanna encourage, you know, in our family, one of the things we're gonna do, I wanna encourage you to do this, is help some kids this Christmas. Make a commitment, say, we're gonna sponsor one or two or five or 10 kids. We're gonna make the first Christmas gift that we give, not to ourselves or to our family, but through our Hope for Kids initiative, we're gonna give to try to bless up to 15,000 kids across our valley. I think it's gonna be epic. But that's a way that we take, and I especially wanna encourage those of you who feel like you don't have enough. Because the way you deal with not enough is you take what little you have, you think, what good is it? What, it's not, what's it gonna do? But you take what little you have and you say, all right, God, I surrender this to you and I trust you to increase it and work in my life. And I believe he does and I believe he will in a way that may surprise you. Maybe you think of your time, your gifts, your talents, the abilities God's given you. It feels like it's just not enough, right? It's just not enough to make a difference. But take what you have, offer it to God. Say, God, use it. Work in my heart and life. Increase it. And you may be surprised at how God can use you. He is a God who loves to do the miracle of multiplication in our life. Sometimes he'll bless you with less so that you can learn he is more. And as you learn he is more, now you're ready for more of the blessing that God pours out into your heart and into your life. Sometimes he'll put you in situations where you realize you're not enough so that you can learn he is enough. But he's not trying to cut you out of whatever you're, you need in your life. He's trying to cut you in on the miracle that he can do in your life when you trust him. And one of the ways that we can experience God's miracle is um, through surrendering our life to him. 
So today, listen, if you give him your past, he will give you a better future. If you give him your pain, he will give you healing. You give him your brokenness, he will give you wholeness. If you give him today your shame, he'll give you Jesus' righteousness. If you give him your failures, he will give you forgiveness. If you give him your dreams, he will give you purpose and fulfillment in your dreams. Listen, if you give him your loneliness, he will give you a family, right? If you give him your heart, your life, your past, your stuff, he'll give you joy and meaning and purpose, and he will bless you to walk in him. It's a great exchange. So open your hand. Open your life. Don't live it like this. Live it like this. God, I release it to you, and I believe you'll increase it and bring it back to me. And for some of you, I want to encourage you today. If you've never taken a step of baptism, at the end of our experience, as we are just a moment, we're going to sing a worship song together, and we're just going to invite anybody who hasn't been baptized. Maybe you've been thinking about being baptized. Maybe you were here at Central Live, and we did some baptisms, and you thought, "Man, I should do that. I need to do that." Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today and you've never been baptized, I just want to challenge you. Like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This is a powerful step. Here's what baptism is about. It's an outward expression of an inward reality of what God has done in your life through faith. So you get down in the water, you simply go out under the water because the principle is this, Christ died on the cross for us, he was buried in a tomb for three days, and then he rose again. And this is why when we're baptized, we take it right out of Romans chapter six in the Bible, that we're buried with Christ as we go under the water and we come up to rise in new life. In fact, we've got our team right back over here. Let's bring the lights up on the baptistry. And... Um, our team is gonna go, I'm gonna demonstrate. For those of you that have never been baptized, just if you're wondering what that looks like, this is what it looks like. So, the water's warm. Now it's not warm when we do it outside, but today it could be warm. Um, we don't hold you under for long, okay? But it's important, it's something you'll never forget. And I, you know, over the years, I've seen celebrities get baptized, homeless people get baptized, people who have it all, people who have nothing. The tears are the same. The move of God in people's hearts and lives is the same. Over the years, um, I've seen not only baptism in other people's lives have such a powerful difference, I've seen it in my own life. When I got out of graduate school, uh, out of seminary, doing my master's work, I was in a really challenging place spiritually, and I was working at this church, and Man, I just, I, I was on the struggle bus. You know, I wasn't sure, kind of, God, what are you doing? And am I even called to this? And I was going through all of that. And it was actually a baptism of somebody else that I didn't even know that God used to remind me of who he was in my own heart and in my own life. I'd watched this guy wrestle with alcoholism and his whole family was here for his baptism and he got down in the water and got baptized and everybody was cheering and hugging, crying. And I'm standing there watching this and I'm remembering, yep, that's what God did for me. And sometimes it's powerful to take that step of baptism, right? Sometimes it's powerful to see other people take that step and to remember your own baptism. So here's what I want to like, I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you just to stand together with me. Uh, if you'd like to be baptized, we have everything you need. We have towels, we have clothes. Look, I'm letting you out a little bit early here so that you can come on down. We'll get you baptized. We'll get you home at the same time you were gonna go home anyway. There's no reason to put it off. Let God move and work in this moment in your life. Let him take your not enough and show you that he is more than enough. So we've got some people coming down the aisles right now with follow me signs. If you'd like to be baptized, just step out wherever you're at. Let's put our hands together for people coming down the aisles. You 
you guys come on. We're gonna gather you down here, and then we're gonna do the baptism. Just step out, first step's the hardest. Come on, the first step's the hardest. Take that step, watch God move and work in your heart and in your life. Come on down. If you need to take this step, come on. We're waiting on you. There's more people here that haven't been baptized that need to get baptized. Let's go. What you waiting on? Let's go. There's some men in the room that need to stand up. There's some men in the room that need to say, all right, I'm going all in. There's some men that need to say, you can count on me. I'm going to lead by example, right? There's some women that you've been pushing it. You've been fighting it. You've been saying, God, I know you're calling me, but I don't know that I'm right. Look, just, just do it. Just do it. Don't wait anymore. Don't put it off. You are a child of God. You are set free in him. ask you to just stay with us for just a moment. We're going to continue to sing this. If you feel led to come down front, it's not too late. Either side of our auditorium, just come down front as we sing this. Let's close our service out with this. Come on. Every voice, let's sing this out together. Here we go. Somebody give 
I want you to know that it's not too late to take that step of faith to be baptized. Just come down front here, let our team know that you wanna be baptized, and we'll have you baptized today. Hey, don't forget on your way out, if you wanna sponsor a kid in need through our Hope for Kids campaign, you can do so right in the lobby. Just find someone from our generosity team. I hope you have a great week. Pastor Judd's got a great message next weekend for us. Between now and then, hang on to Romans chapter eight that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Have a great week.